A lot of kids who grew up in the 80s, they like to tell stories. And when they got a couple drinks in them, it's about how, how funny it was. But when they're with their shrink, it's just about how tough it was. But a lot of things were. A lot of things were back then. Hello, Swatch. What? DLT. Basic. You're a neo maxi zoom dweeby. Nobody appreciates your sense of humor, you know? Pontiac Fiero. He slimed me. Now, only $8.99 at Shakey's. I want my MTV. Bueller. And what's it gonna do? Identity has popped me to you. But it's only authentic if it says members only right here. Live from Members Only Studios, welcome to Living in the 80s, a podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with the 1980s. The, the best, best that we, best that we remember. remember. That was that, that was that was that was that was terrible. That was worst remembering thing. Yeah. But you know what? It was good. It was, <laughs> it was good. It was so bad it was good. It's good. So the best that we remember it, that was a good intro. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sure. So welcome back to the podcast. Uh, those of you that are loyal listeners, our listenership continues to grow and evolve. We are up over a thousand percent over last year at this time. So people continue for some reason listening to the podcast. Insane. It's crazy. Insane. It's crazy. Talk. It's bananas. But they listen. So we keep trying to produce some kind of content. This is the first podcast of the year. And today we have, we're doing this via Zoom. So we've got Debbie from Texas. Hey. Yes. Texas. We've got Kevin from Worthington, Ohio. Hey, Rob. And then there's me, Matt Moore, Mike Moore, in Grove City, in the same room what? with three different computers and screens, doing the whole Zoom thing. So this is the Zoom room right now. See, these guys are so desperate to get out of the house; yeah. they just came over. Or you begged us to come over. Either or. Yeah. Either. <laughs> uh, that's what it was. I begged you to come over. Yes, yeah. I begged you to come and over. So thanks for coming, gentlemen. Just didn't really want Kevin here. It's pretty much it was. <laughs> oh, that's pretty brutal. That's I know it's hard. Kevin, I wanted you here. But. I would like to have been there, but uh, <laughs> Snowball had plans up until <laughs> nine o'clock at night. So, all right. So, we like always. Well, first of all, our topic this week is top 10 artists of the 80s. Mm. According to an informal poll we did on the Living in the 80s Facebook page, we'll talk about that more when the time comes. Until then, we're going to start off with my favorite segment. Well, it's my, my favorite too. It is my favorite. Too. Is it yours? It's mine. I prepare more than others, but yes. All right. So we're not pointing fingers at anybody, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) So this is what we like to call 80s Rewind. This is a part of the podcast where we have had something go on down memory lane having to do with the 1980s in the last week or so. But since we've not done a podcast, we haven't recorded a podcast since before Christmas. There should be several things. Oh, yeah. Several. For sure. Dozens. Hard to choose. Hard Hard to choose. choose. So many. So many things. So many things. So So we are going to start with ladies first. We'll start off with Debbie. And uh, (laughs) you. Snowball's like in rare form tonight. (laughs) The pressure is great here, guys. Um, This week, I actually finally had time to sit down while I was working around the house and listen to 
my box set of vinyl that came in November, uh, Life Moves Pretty Fast, which is the John Hughes record collection of all of his movies. So there's six mm. vinyl records, they're all red, and it is songs from Pretty in Pink, 16 Candles, oh, Some Kind of Wonderful, God. Breakfast Club, Uncle Buck, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, She's Having a Baby, The Great Outdoors, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and National Lampoon's Vacation. So it is an amazing six record set and it was a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, so did, did you discover any new music while you were doing this? You know, I did not discover any new music because a while back I did Song of the Week and I did all John Hughes movies. So I dove kind of deep on a few of those. So I'd kind of gone through most of them, but there were a few that I hadn't heard for a while or hadn't been able to find on streaming platforms. So it was great to hear those again. That sounds so cool. That's great. When I saw that was released, was it maybe back in the summer they announced it yeah. in August or something? I immediately thought, oh, that sounds great. But I don't see where it's been released digitally. Like I got rid of my turntable many years ago. So anything on vinyl, I just only have to live vicariously through you. Very cool though. That's so amazing. Debbie, that's great. I just I, I love it. Kevin, I know you've got an 83 wine moment. I do. Um this weekend we went to Philadelphia. Our, our our daughter won an award and the ceremony was in Philadelphia. And I told her, I said, there's a smallest of things I have to do while I'm in Philadelphia. I've got to get a Philly cheesesteak, which I did. I said, I've got to see the Liberty Bell because I'd never seen it. And I said, I've got to see the Rock, Rocky statue and run up the steps. Yeah, so Sunday, right before we left town, we went down to the Philadelphia Museum of Art. And you don't have to worry about feeling like, you know, a tourist running up the stairs because there's probably 50 people there. Mm. Everybody was doing the exact same thing. Everybody got to the stairs, they ran up the 72 steps, <laughs> get a picture of themselves at the top, you know, kind of striking the pose. And then the statue's like down at the bottom, kind of to the right of the stairs. So, um, so yeah, that was what uh, we did this weekend and uh, certainly brought back memories that, that you know, hit, hit Rocky run up the steps. That was in Rocky 1, Rocky 2. And Rocky Three was the unveiling of the statue, um, so yeah, definitely brought back some some '80s memories for me. Now, did you have did you have some like earbuds in playing the music as you were doing it? Because that would have been so cool. That would have been, but no, I did not. So, uh, <laughs> so Kevin, um, first of all, a lesser man probably would have pulled a hamstring doing mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Second, you have to post that picture on the Living in the '80s Facebook page. All right, we'll see. We'll see. Come on, man. <laughs> Maybe I'll put a picture of uh of Diana by the statue. So were you more like uh, Rocky one or were you more like Rocky Balboa when he's in his 50s? Or I'm sorry, Creed, more like when he was Creed and he had cancer walking up the, the steps. I, I felt like I got up there pretty quick. So uh okay. yeah. Whatever. So we were parking the car, we dropped off our daughter and her her teammate. The time we got parked, they had already made up the top of stairs, and I saw them up there posing for pictures. Yeah. They came back down, and when I got there, my wife was like, "They're, you know, Brooke's got to get a video of you running up the stairs." I'm like, ah, "No, she doesn't." So I think she took a video. I haven't seen it yet, but I think she took a video. So maybe I'll post that if I uh, get a copy of the video running up the stairs. Very cool, <laughs> Kevin. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that info. I look. Yeah. You you do have to post a picture. Okay, it's required. Snowball. All right. Well, this 80s flashback 
kind of it's good memories, but it's kind of sad to think about it today. Um, I was on Twitter and there was a tweet about the battle with the network stars, which started in the 70s, but also rolled into the 80s with the Heathers. Yeah. Yeah. Heather Thomas. Thomas. Yes. Yeah. Hadler and Bach, Aaron Gray, Scott Bayo. That's the only dude I could think of. <laughs> You better give me say hubba hubba it's got bail. That wasn't cool. I didn't do it. But the sad thing is thinking, oh man, this should bring that show back. That's well, kind of a little tough now because everything's streaming. There's very little network television or battle of the star. streaming stars. I mean, I remember it was on ABC, so like Hulu has a lot of ABC and Disney and the whole thing. They could they could do that. I would love to see to, like some of today's stars mm-hmm. doing that, but I'd also love to see old episodes that mirror that stuff. Oh, yeah. it's great! Stuff. Yeah, that's what they need yeah. to put on like Tubi or whatever. Yeah. The old Battle Network stars that'd be awesome. Heck yeah, nothing better watching Gabe Kaplan run. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, given uh, given um, Eric Estrada the bird as he runs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great, Matt. Yeah, I've been I've been thinking about this for so long. I could not wait to share. I mean, I've just been chomping at the bit to share my '83 wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I um, alluded to it. I think in the last time we've done a podcast because uh, my daughter for her Christmas uh, for Christmas we got her a um, a Walkman, kind of like she was real big in Stranger Things. And so Rob put together these playlists. From Stranger Things and and uh, living in the eighties and all because because my daughter now loves eighties music which is great so he put together these playlists and we had a buddy that could put them on cassette tapes for us and so it, I mean and that was so much harder than it turned out to I mean it was it was a great thought but it took a lot of effort for this to actually be done but we got she got these cassette tapes and so we got we got these Rob Fott handwritten cassette tapes, mixtapes, which I mean, took me straight back. That takes you back to 1987 right away. That was pretty cool. So, but the, my favorite part was her opening up her Christmas gifts, right? So she almost up the walk and she's like, oh, she was so excited. So, so I, and then I, I give her, the, she got the tapes and she goes, oh, wow. So she's holding the cassette tape in in the you know cassette holder, and she's got a Walkman. And I said, "Go ahead and put the tape in. Let's fire that baby up." And she's like, "How do you open it?" And, so she, and the, the, the one thing that makes me angry is that I did not video this. I mean, right? I am so angry. But she was like, "I said, just open it up." And she held that Walkman in her hand and could not figure how to pop out the side. Just. I mean, she probably spent 45 seconds touching things and not getting. So then finally, she opens up the tape. I said, go ahead and put the tape in. And so holding the tape in the tape cassette holder, she takes the entire thing and tries to put it into. The, I said, no, honey, oh, you, you have to take the tape out. Of it. And it was just like the most foreign thing she's ever oh, seen man. in her entire life. And, I'm and going, you didn't record this. And you I, record everything. I record way more than I should. And daggone it, the most funniest I would. Oh, that's so graceless. Just it was great. <laughs> I love it. It's like asking your kid to dial an old rotary phone. 
Yeah. They yeah. can't right. they start at zero and then go to the number they think they're dialing each time. Both <laughs> of my kids, same way. I just sat there and laughed. Yeah, kids these days. They're so smart, but you know, with the good technology, they're so dumb. They're, they're kids. Dumb. <laughs> they, they don't, they're know, they don't oh. know how we roll. All right. So my living in the 80s moment happened to me uh probably one day last week. One of my favorite movies that I have to rewatch probably every couple years or so is uh maybe once a year is high fidelity uh with john kuzak i love that the movie is from 2000 it's got an awesome soundtrack and you know again i talk all the time about like how certain songs you hear at certain times and they hit you so the one that hit me was the jam with town called malice Tell you what, great headphones, good speakers. Like I had some great speakers listening to it as I was watching it. That song just it rocks. That's a that's an awesome song. Again, one of those hidden gems. I know yeah. Debbie's got an entire playlist on her Spotify of hidden gems. <laughs> I've got similar playlists on my Apple Music, and uh, just hearing some of these songs and it, and just you look listen to that it's like how the rest of the country not experience like this kind of music like overall you know some some people would mostly people listen to the top 40 stuff at the time and you know which is fine uh not to disparage any of you but there's so much good music out there that's largely undiscovered by you know the average person that or debbie and i are just geeks (laughs) (laughs) anything that's 80s kevin i know kevin's in that same boat too yeah, so yeah, I, I think, think we guys, absorb it. I think you guys are geeks a little, a little bit. <laughs> okay, Just a little. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Coming from you, a little bit. That hurts a little bit. Pure energy, right here, man. <laughs> Pure energy. Yeah. So here's a story behind that, real quick. Um, I have a friend who listened to the podcast for the first time a few days ago, and she was talking about like, hey, you know what? It was really neat hearing you guys talk about. 80s stuff and how you've got this great knowledge of stuff except for Matt that, that's that's <laughs> she says but you cannot lose Matt because he is the energy of the podcast uh, Kevin the word was pure energy pure energy pure energy <laughs> pure yeah. energy. actually I think me and Debbie gave you pure energy oh before well we started okay. recording. Okay. let's so, just take it let's so take Matt's New I'm nickname energy. is Pure Energy. Pure Energy. Pure P-E. Energy. I'm PE, baby. I'm PE. Come on. <laughs> but that doesn't stand for physical education. Yeah. Yeah, never, I'm not <laughs> never, right. never said I'm smart. Never said I'm smart. <laughs> so that is our 80s rewind moments for the week. Uh, hang tight. We're going to break away for a quick commercial from our sponsors. And then we will be back with our top 10 artists of the 80s. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Living in the 80s. We want to take this opportunity to thank all of those that helped make this possible. First and foremost, we want to thank Anchor for providing this platform for us to share this podcast. We also want to thank Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Tuned In Radio, and about a dozen others. 
We also want to give a special thank you to Star1079.com and Roundtown Radio, where you can hear this podcast weekly. Also, be sure to check us out at our website at livingin80s.us and, of course, on our Facebook page, Living in the 80s. Thanks, and back to the show. Welcome back to Living in the 80s. Very happy to have you all here. Uh, happy to have Mike, Kevin, Matt, and of course, Debbie, the sane one of this group. Good to have everybody back. Is that, is that what we're, we're calling her sane? If she spends enough time with us, she will not be sane. So <laughs> the next podcast is insane. It's crazy. <laughs> so Debbie, you now have have the crown taken away from you. Uh, so if you guys have listened to the podcast for any period of time, you know that Debbie was highly ridiculed by Matt and I for Ooh. never watching The Outsiders. Although she did later, she kind of made up for it. The teasing had to continue. Yes. So now Tammy is wearing Oh, she's taking my place. Because she hasn't seen Say Anything. What? Which that, can I mean, you imagine? Sometimes I can maybe see a little bit. It's an yeah. 80s classic. It is. But it I is. think Say Anything is one everybody knows. Everyone knows the boombox scene. Yes. They know Stay Golden. Honestly, has not seen. Has not seen it. Wow. It is, wow. it is required homework. So, Tammy, we invited you here tonight. We're sad you're not wow. here. But at the same time, you are not here to defend yourself. And you have committed Cardinals wow. 80s sin extraordinaire that is I, one of the big ones i don't think she's allowed back until she's got until, proof yeah i think we need proof thing. Yeah. okay so here's the proof tammy here's what we need to know what gift did diane's father give her at graduation good question that's good tell us that without googling it you know as a christian woman you better be honest <laughs> You need to tell us what was that gift. I, mean, I don't care if she's an 80s author. Yeah, I read a book about the 80s. So what? You know, what did yeah, no, do, Tammy? Chris Clues is someplace just kind of cringing that she has not watched this movie. Oh, come on, Tammy. I have watched that one multiple times. I am redeemed now. I agree. I watched that probably been closer to a year ago now. Still, still feels very fresh. Good movie. All right. So our podcast topic, as we explained before it's going to be top 10 artists of the 80s with a bit of a disclaimer so new year's day our friend marty mcfly over on the living in the 80s facebook page out of australia had put a thing on there like who are your top five artists i copied it did the same thing on ours and had several responses but then we decided hey let's do a formal poll or informal poll it's a facebook poll of who your top five are so we got responses. So this is only a sample size of probably, I don't know, three to five days of letting this go. When we get done, we're going to talk about, you know, maybe some artists that didn't make it, uh, some surprises. So Jody we'll Watley. go through that, like such as Jody Watley. It's a surprise to yes. Matt. Bananarama should have been there. Oh. Should have been. All yeah. right. So uh, we're going to start. So our top 10 actually has Three number 10s because we had a three-way tie for number 10. To be clear, it's not a top 12. It is not a top 12. No, no. It is a top 10 plus two. two. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It is. <laughs> so we are going to start off with number 10. Number 10. Mike, why don't you go ahead and take our first 
number 10. Our first number 10 is Michael Joseph Jackson. Not to be confused with the Georgia Championship Wrestling jobber, Mike Jackson, Here we who, go. Oh. Who, who is a legend who of the indie legend. circuit. Yeah. I, I always liked his, his, his singlet, yeah, with the yeah. stars on it. Okay. I'm sorry. So Michael Joseph Jackson was born in 1958 in a town known as Little Chicago, beautiful Gary, Indiana. Mm. Uh, Steel Town kind of reminds me of my hometown a little bit. Um, he died in 2009 at the age of 50 in L.A. He was the eighth child in the Jackson family. Uh, he began his career in 1964 at the age of five with his brothers, the Jackson Five. And his first chart single was in 1969. So here he is, 10 years old, hitting the charts already. With that going. Pretty darn impressive. Pretty good. In 1972, he refer, uh, released his first debut studio album, Gotta Be There, on Motown Records, and actually peaked at number 14. Um, some of his uh, accomplishments, uh, let's see here. He had uh, seven top 10 hits, seven singles were top 10 hits. Oh, I'm sorry. Whoop, I jumped way ahead here. You might have to edit that out. Nope, nope. We're, no, we're, 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 we're <laughs> all right. Let's see here. Hmm, where was all my? There we go. Overall, his career sold 750 million records. He had 13 number one singles, which ranks him number 10 overall. He has 47 Billboard Hot 100s, 13 Grammy Awards, and has been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. What? Twice. What? Wow. An individual artist and as the Jackson Five. Pretty cool. Makes sense. Wow. Um, personally, I mean, I barely made the top 10. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to believe. Little surprise he came in at number 10. Is there yeah. a little bias against Michael because of kind of how his life kind of evolved in later years? I personally believe so. Because yeah, the reality is I think he was truly the number one performer of the 80s, but Mm -hmm. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. I, I would I would agree. Um, looking at his career, it, it was phenomenal. Um, to me, well, I guess record charts and sales would support this, but the number one overall artist of the 1980s, hands down, no question, no contest is Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. Just below him, I would say it was Madonna and Prince. And then there's tears below those. Yeah. But he was uh, tears. He I was never heard of that man. Tears, 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 tears. 
<laughs> they opened for Tears for Fears. Well, Tears for Fears were, were just tears okay. before they changed it. Yeah. <laughs> They, they got scared. Bad. They got scared. Yeah. So what uh, if, if we had this poll like in 1989 through 89, uh, he definitely would have uh, be number one without contest. I'm pretty sure. I mean, the Thriller album alone, there was nine singles. Seven of them reached the top 10. Yeah. Two Isn't that insane? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely insane. And it was the number one album both in 1983 and 1984. Very wow. impressive. What's his name again? Michael Joseph. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I I remember as a kid, I remember the Jackson 5 back then. They had their own Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, I remember having a box of Super Sugar Crisp where I cut the record out the back yeah oh i remember those yeah Yeah. you put it on the thing there and it worked yeah Yeah. and sometimes you had to put pennies on to hold it down yeah yeah you did because it was so flimsy Mm -hmm. i'd have something to weight the the that's a great memory right there so i remember them throughout that time remember the jacksons in the 70s had more of a disco sound they dropped the jackson five just called themselves the jacksons and i remember when off the wall came out i was i believe i was in the eighth grade and there was a girl in my neighborhood who said this is the greatest album of all time hmm. of course we laughed at her and made fun of her sure. but uh there's no question that that really you can see the evolution of his career from the wall to thriller to bad and so forth like that was like the gateway drug before thriller and quincy jones produced it uh produced several hits and was uh you know he was everywhere yeah he was mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and watching him, the evolution of his no physical appearance. Yeah, I mean, there, there was so much, you know, mystery, conspiracy theories, and it's like, you know, he, he went from this way to, to looking this way, and the the chain, you know, the hybrid, hybrid, whatever chain, chain. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. Hard, hard to say. Yeah. But that, but uh, there's all these rumors and all these things. It's just. Uh, May I, I don't know. Yeah, it was just weird. It was just weird to to watch that slowly unfold. Um, kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, he was also a fashion icon. Oh man! I mean, Kevin wore his glove. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> did you really, Kevin? No, Kevin. <laughs> he did wear the same. Mike says that it's not true. <laughs> it's mostly accurate. <laughs> The, the thriller jacket, though. Yes. I mean, that... I did have that. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Michael Jackson song? And Matt Ben was from the 70s. Okay, I'm just throwing it out there. Right My favorite Michael Jackson song would be Rock With You, Ooh. followed just behind Billie Jean. What about you, Kevin? What's your favorite Michael Jackson song, Kevin? Uh, probably Billie Jean. Could you moonwalk, Kevin? Uh, no. Oh, okay, because I'm just going to ask you to do it right now. <laughs> Good thing I was honest. What about you, Deb? You know, I liked his Dangerous album from the 90s. Yeah, one of my favorite songs from that, I think, was Give It To Me. I would have to go with Man in the Mirror. Yeah. Of all of his songs, that's what, that's what I get. And we are the world. Okay, I'm done. To turn his mic no, off. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> all right, so uh, that was Michael Jackson. Our next number 10. Debbie's going to talk about Bon Jovi.
Bon Jovi was formed in 1983 in Sayreville, New Jersey. I'm sure I'm saying that with a little bit of a Texas twang there. <laughs> and uh, the members included John Bon Jovi, Alex Such, David Bryan, Tico Torres, and Richie Sambora. And that cast changed over the years um, as, as people came and came into the band and left the band. And when I was researching, I found out a little interesting piece about John Bon Jovi. His first professional recording was not what you would expect it to be. It was as lead vocals in the R2-D2, We Wish You a Merry Christmas song, <laughs> which was in the Star Wars Christmas show that we saw on television oh, years wow. ago. Star Wars Christmas you remember show. that one. Well, there was. So here's, here's a little piece of that. We'll spend Christmas Eve with you. Our hearts will sing with glee as we decorate the You're welcome. Hey, there you go. <laughs> you, know, you would never recognize his voice, his later voice. Crazy Definitely not. Up to his knees. I'm sure he probably was. I'm sorry. And bon Jovi's music was said to have bridged the gap between heavy metal and pop music. Uh, they released their first two albums in 1984 and 1985, and their debut single, Runaway, cracked the top 40. But their really big hit was 1986's Slippery When Wet. Um, it gave them global recognition. And I have to say, I tried to get my son to get his camera out fast enough the other day. The road leading to our neighborhood in the hills of Austin gets very slippery when it's wet. And there have been a lot of accidents, cars rolling over in the ditches, whatnots. People don't know to take the road slow when it's wet. And they put a big sign that lights up when it rains outside and they turn it on and it says Slippery When Wet. I so wanted a picture of that sign for this for this podcast. Um, but they have released 15 studio albums, five compilation albums, three live albums, and one boxed set. They've sold more than 120 million records worldwide, have performed in more than 2,700 concerts in over 50 countries. They have 11 albums in the top 10, which I didn't you know, you kind of forget how many albums they had. And some of those albums have been in the top 10 all the way up into, into 2016. They had an album in 2016 that hit number one for a while. Um, they have had four number one hits on the Billboard Hot 100 and 10 top 10 hits on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, and they have been inducted into the Rock and Roll, Roll Hall of Fame in 2018, where they performed You Give Love a Bad Name, When We Were Us, and Living on a Prayer. So what are your favorite songs by Bon Jovi? My favorite Bon Jovi song is Runaway. My favorite one is Social Disease. I'll be there for you. I love Bad Medicine. I think Slippery When Wet is when they went into upper stratosphere as far as mm -hmm. bands and so forth. Because they were just, you know, just uh, another band before that. Once that took off and MTV started playing, I think it was You Give Love a Bad Name was the first one. Or Living on a Prayer. I can't she remember the one first. Talking about from Slippery Road. Oh, okay. I think that's when they really took off. I've seen them in concert a couple of times. They were really, really good. Put on a very good show. I saw them on the Slippery One Wet tour. That was at the peak of their powers. I think I've mentioned before, my husband met them. At T95, the hard rock station in Wichita, Kansas, his sister called in while Bon Jovi was there just when they had released their first album. And they told her to come on in and she asked if she could bring her brother. So my husband sat in the corner 
uh, while hmm. she got to meet Bon Jovi. So oh, wow. that's cool. Yeah. But it was pretty cool. So, and I love their song, She Don't Know Me from their first album. Really good song. I don't know if I've heard that one. I have to check it out. It's a good one. You have to look it up. Did yeah. you just stump Rob Fox? You, she did. Oh, wow. have, that may be my 80s rewind moment next week. All right. So the third number 10, I will take this one. It's one of my favorite bands. The Cars. Formed in Boston in 1973 by Rick Ocasek on lead vocals and rhythm guitars, Benjamin Orr was the co-lead singer and bass player, Elliot Easton was the lead guitar, Greg Hawks on keyboards, and Greg Robinson on drums. They maintained this lineup for the duration of their career, and they all remained close friends up until the deaths of Benjamin Orr in 2000 and Rick Ocasek in 2019. Some fun facts about the Cars. Before they were the Cars, Rick Ocasek and Benjamin Orr met in Cleveland, Ohio. Rick Ocasek had a band in Columbus called the Grasshoppers. Hmm. And these two hit it off and decided to have their own band, which was called Milkwood. They sound a little like Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Pretty bad. Mm. <laughs> a little bit like this. Talk about the trees, the sand dunes, and the sea. Nothing oh. like our sounded oh. later. <laughs> that was absolutely terrible. So after that band, uh, they formed another band called Richard and the Rabbits. And uh, <laughs> sort of the same kind of thing. But they included Greg Hawks, the keyboard player, who was a graduate of the Berkeley School of Music. And they actually had a saxophone too. So it was a much different, different sounding band. Uh, when they formed the Cars, their first album was reviewed by Rolling Stone critic Robert Palmer, not that Robert Palmer, who wrote, they have taken some important but disparate contemporary trends, punk minimalism, the labyrinth synthesizer and guitar textures of art rock, 50s rock of Billy revival, and the melodious terseness of power pop and mix them into a personal and appealing blend. I think everyone would agree there was no other band in the 80s that sounded anything close to what the Cars sound. When they came on the radio, you knew automatically that's the Cars. They had 19 charting singles, including 14 in the 1980s, and one number one with Drive. Uh, their albums, Panorama, sold over a million copies. These are just their 80s albums. Uh, Shake It Up sold 2 million copies, and Door to Door was their last studio album before a long, long break, which just sold over 500,000 copies. They broke up shortly after that as their cool, eclectic style had pretty much run its course. People kind of weren't interested in that car sound anymore. Crazy people were not interested. I would have taken any album they would have put out and, and loved it. 
2018, they were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and uh, a few months later is when Rick Ocasek passed away. I've said this on here before. Uh, the first time I ever heard the Cars, I was watching the TV show Fridays, which was, guess what, on Friday nights. What? It's kind of <laughs> competitor to SNL. Uh, funnier, much funnier at, at that time period in both shows. I'm watching Fridays and this band comes on. They looked weird. I mean, Rick Ocasek okay, so kind of looked like a praying mantis. The yeah. other guys just looked like rock stars. But they sung the song Touch and Go. Touch and go. When I heard that, my life was forever changed. I thought, who is this band? I had heard of the Cars before. I'd never heard them. Didn't know anything they sung. I mean, I'm a 14-year-old kid listening to Top 40 radio. They weren't really getting any play. Not like on the rock stations. But they, um, they changed me. I started trying to absorb all their music I could. I remember riding my bike to the Rinks department store and buying a... 45 a single of touch and go and then a, a girl at school let me borrow their first two albums which i thought were just amazing so that that's my i never got to see them live i wish i would have that that would have been great for me even though i hear like they didn't have the greatest live show but i still would have enjoyed seeing them hmm. so my favorite car song is heartbeat city which is from the album Heartbeat City. It just sounds super cool. Reminds me of Cardo's. There you go. So yeah, that's mine. How about you guys? Any memories, any songs, anything that sticks out about the cars to you guys? I don't have any favorite car songs. I don't think they deserve to be in the top 10. Wow. Wow. Banana Rima does. Absolutely. They had one number one hit song. Air Supply had one number one hit song. We must put them in this list too. Well, right? well, Banana Rainbow didn't have any. That was just a personal <laughs> indulgence. Um, um, trust me, Snowball's got other critiques later. Wow. Other awesome bands, but we'll, yeah. we'll let him slam them when we get there. I think some of my favorite car songs are from the late 70s, but um, in the 80s, probably my favorite was Hello Again. Mm. That was mine. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Hello again. Matt, you know it? Yeah. yeah it's pretty good. That's number one on, the, on the, the fire playlist you put. Uh, right? No. No. No, it's not on the call. <laughs> no, I lied. <laughs> hey, but you still know it. I'm impressed. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. The cars, love them, always have. They're just one of those bands that just always kind of hit me. Just, just, you know, good stuff. All right, now we will carry on with our top 10, starting with number nine. Number nine. The Police.
I actually was kind of surprised to see the police come in this low, but after kind of reflecting on it a little while, I could kind of see why they were, were this low, um, especially for people that maybe were a little bit younger in the 80s and were more of an 85 to 89 kind of listener because by that point, the police had kind of had their run. Um, they formed in London in 1977. Gordon Sumner was a school teacher um, that was looking to also have a music career. He always wore this yellow and black striped uh, jacket and kids called him Sting. That kind of became his nickname. And he met Stuart Copeland in uh, London in 1977. They exchanged phone numbers. They stayed in contact. Um, decided to start up a band. They needed a, a guitarist. They had a, gu a guitar player. Sting didn't think he was polished enough. They brought on Andy Summers, who was actually uh, 10 years older than, than Stuart and, and Sting. Andy, you know, stipulated the only way he would do it is if they got rid of the fourth guy and they kind of went back and forth, eventually got rid of the fourth guy. And it just became a the trio from that point forward for the rest of their career. Um, Miles Copeland, who was Stuart Copeland's brother, didn't really think the band he wasn't real sold on what they could possibly do, but um, he heard him practicing Roxanne one day in the studio, and he thought, oh, this this could be something. Got him an A&M uh, record deal. They released Roxanne, and it went nowhere. It was it was kind of a flop. So um, they put up their first album, Atlantis Moore. Didn't really do a whole lot, and then Roxanne got released in the United States, and actually did better here than it did in uh, in, in the UK, it made it to number 32. So based on that, they came to the United States and toured, and they really kind of were on their own. They had to drive around in a little van. They had to pack up their equipment, kind of starting off at the bottom. It's, it's hard to believe how quickly their, their career changed. Um, their their first album made it to number six in the UK, Outlandish Do More, which is really good. And it, so it, it did pretty well considering the first couple of songs didn't really do much. Um, Can't Stand Losing You and Roxanne made it to 23 in the United States. A year later, they released Regatta de Blanc, which went to number one in the UK. So quick rise to stardom. Um, a little bit slower in the United States, only at number 25. The next year, released another one, Zenyatta Mandata. It also went to number one in the United, in the United Kingdom, went to number five in the US. So um, they'd kind of reached the top in the UK right away. And we're slowly climbing in the United States. On Zenyatta Mandata, they had Don't Stand So Close to Me and Do 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 Da Da Da. da and they both made it to number 10 in the again. Billboard Hot 100. Say that again. Da Do 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 Da 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 Da. Thank you. <laughs> and then the next year, they put out Ghost in the Machine. Again, a number one hit in the United Kingdom, number two in the United States. And they had um, a couple other big hits there, Spirits in the Material World and Every Little Thing She Does is Magic. Um, so in just a few years, they had really climbed, right? They, every year they were putting out an album. And because they were starting to make money, they were starting to have creative differences. The egos were getting in the way. They were already starting to like form some cracks. And it took them two years before they were able to come out with their next album. It was Synchronicity. It was released in 83. Again, went to number one in the UK, also went to number one in the US, and it actually stayed 
number one in the U.S. way longer than it stayed number one in the U.K. It stayed at number one in the United States for 17 weeks, and they had number one hit of 83, Every Breath You Take, which went to number one, Wrapped Around Your Finger, which went to number eight, King of Pain, which went to number three, and Synchronicity 2, which went to number 16. And it seemed like, you know, critics were saying they're the best band in the world, and but yet you could see it when they're touring and they're having interviews that Sting was already saying, yeah, I, I think we've done everything we can do. And, you know, he was ready to to move on. And so um, soon after he started working on a solo work and, and two years later put out a, a solo album. And uh, that pretty much was the end. So basically from 78 to 83 was was their reign. Um, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2003. And if you do the math, that's exactly 24 five years after their first album so they got in as soon as they could because you have to be established for 25 years before uh, rock and roll hall of fame eligible and uh to me this is my favorite band of the 80s and to me they accomplished a lot in a short period of time and and like i said to people that you know maybe were a little bit younger and, and more like 86 87 88 89 kind of listeners maybe kind of miss the the police era but uh to me they're they're one of the best totally agree um when i first heard of the police was um uh, they were playing do 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 da 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 on the radio Same i'm again. not saying it twice okay. <laughs> <laughs> i knew you were waiting for it and uh i thought well that's a really cool song and i went out and i bought the single and then there used to be a TV show, a syndicated show called Casey's Top Ten, where he would go through top 10 songs on the Billboard charts in a half hour. He would talk about some of them and then he'd play a couple videos. And then one week he put like, there's also like an international chart. So they would play one video by a band that you know wasn't really on the US charts yet. And they did... Um, don't stand so close to me which completely blew me away i went to a record convention a few weeks later and bought that single uh because you couldn't it wasn't for sale yet here in the u.s so i got that then and just loved them ever since um, it's one of those bands that you know again synchronicity came out 1983 1984 83 84 they toured and then broke up i can't think of any band like with that was their peak like that that suddenly just decided to call it quits even the Beatles when they broke up they'd already Beatlemania had already peaked even though they were a successful mm -hmm. band it wasn't at the peak of their of their career that they broke up so this was very surprising to me my Lexing solo career I think my favorite um police song is probably Demolition Man if you ask mm -hmm. me tomorrow I might say something else but uh it, Great band, great music. Snowball, talk about your favorite police songs and your and your feelings on the police. <laughs> well, you got two. This is kind of tie for me. I, you know, I love two of the songs. Uh, one is <laughs> hard to you can't even, you can't even you can't even speak right now. Every uh, little thing she does is magic. Yeah. Or the uh, TV themed "Bad Boys, Bad Boys." What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? That's by the police in it. That's about, that's about, that's about, that's about, that's about. Yeah, those are my two. 
So you bringing the play now? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> he's really hard. <laughs> you know he's been waiting all week to use that. I'm, oh wow, that's great. That's good. so. So you don't think the police should be on this list? You don't have a whole lot of love for the police today. They're not on my list. I have a really good list, but oh, Banana Rama, wow. the Bengals, Madonna, Heart, any female artist. <laughs> Olivia uh, Newton John. Samantha Fox. He puts it up in the Lisa Lisa. Oh wow. That's good. Yeah. Tina Marie. Tina Marie. Pebbles. What about Pebbles? Uh Regina, Tiffany, Stacy Pugh. Is she on there? I imagine she probably is. The Oh god. Debbie save us. Debbie Gibson. Oh, okay. My favorite one by the police was probably Synchronicity 2 or Spirits in the Material World. Good song. Oh, I like those. They're both great. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I think my know. favorite was Invisible Sun. That was Invisible a good one Sun. too. That's yeah. a great one. I, I love the I like the beat and like the haunting sound that song. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. I don't know if you guys heard that one song, the do 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 to dad dad dad. Have you heard that? <laughs> <laughs> We've heard that. How it sounds too. <laughs> Yeah, good job. The, the funny thing is, the only video that pops into my mind immediately when I hear the police, we didn't have cable at my house. I had to go over to a neighbor's house to watch MTV. But our local PBS station, every weekday after they aired one of the old Twilight Zone episodes, they would play one video. And it was either Wrapped Around Your Finger or Here Comes the Rain Again by the Arrhythmics. So mm. every time I hear the police, I immediately see Wrapped Around Your Finger and that slow mo video. Nice. All right, um, that brings us to number eight. Number eight. That's me, right? I get you. Uh, I get you. Number lost okay, pure energy here. Uh, <clears throat> number eight is the band called U2. There's been a lot of talk about this next song. Maybe, maybe too much talk. montage right there Thanks, i mean yeah i mean there's there's been some good montages here so far for 10 10 and and nine but daggone that montage for eight that was fantastic that's beautiful Thanks, man. That, was, that was beautiful uh i mean you two is, is um i mean it's, it's one of my favorite bands growing up in, in high school just because i there, there was always like this rumor back then that they were kind of like a Christian band, but th but they weren't a Christian band. They were far from a Christian band, but there was there was like this underground influence that that they they're churchy, you know. That there's there's this religious overtone with them. And I back then I was just, you know real big on all the the church music and all this kind of stuff. 
you know, to uh, contemporary Christian music. And all of a sudden, U2 was like uber popular with everyone, but yet they would have some songs you going, wait a minute, these guys are, they, they get, they're, they're, they're not the normal band. Um, so so I, I kind of like them. And then there was some like, you know, Rolling Stone interviews you'll read and they'll, 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 they'll talk about faith. He'll talk about, you know, you know, God and they'll go on this to gets it. Um, but they're, they're so they're famous for um, you know a lot of that kind of stuff. Their their spiritual imagery and also uh, they you know he's he's also very political, social political um, songs and and uh, but anyhow they're they're an Irish an Irish rock band from Dublin. Uh, they were formed in 1976. Uh, the members are Bono, The Edge, Adam Clayton, and Larry Mullen Jr. Um, they, their their styles kind of change over the years. Uh, their, their first, I like to look at some of their first names of bands because you think about these dudes like playing in a garage somewhere. What are we going to call ourselves? I, I like how I like everyone's initial names. Uh, they were the feedback was their original uh, name, which probably didn't get a good feedback. So they, <laughs> so they changed it to the hype. Um, and that didn't fly very long, so they end up being U2, which um, I'm sure there's got to be a great story there, but uh, my Wikipedia research failed to tell me. <laughs> I'm sure one of you guys got a great, uh, you guys probably have a great story why U2 is called U2, uh, and you can share that with us in just a little bit. Anyhow, the boys are from Dublin, so they've been around since 76. Um, I guess you, you'd say they're alternative rock, pop rock. You know, they had a little post-punk theme labeled on them. But um, anyhow, so their uh, their first big the first big uh, album in the 80s was uh, Boy. Uh, then in 83 came War. Uh, and they had the singles there, Sunday Boy, Sunday, and Pride, which was huge. Pride is, I guess, probably one of my favorite songs. Because um, I, I feel like, um, uh, like everything it, back then, like everything I learned about Martin Luther King Jr. assassination, I learned from that song. I mean, I know you know where he was killed. I know how many bullets it was. I know the date. <laughs> how many bullets? Three, three shots. Okay. Three shots. It took his life. No, but they could not take his pride. So yeah, it's a beautiful song. Beautiful song. Um, but I, I learned all that from from Bono. So thank you. You too for that. Um, so, so what time was he killed? Uh, early morning, April fourth. Yeah. Shot rings yeah. out from Memphis guy. Yeah, so it's incorrect. He wasn't killed in the morning. Um, you two came out later and said they needed to change that. It was actually not in the morning. What, what time? What time was it? Because I, I was just there like last month. Pretty sure Bono was right. It was in the morning. Okay. Well. There you go. <laughs> might, have been, might have been in the morning in Ireland. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, you, you're not thinking with the time, time change. That's right. Easy, easy, easy. So one of the biggest, uh, I mean, uh, one of the biggest out. Well, they have 14 studio albums. My favorite personal is the Joshua Tree. It came out in 1985. Uh, but they, they, or 87. That's why I said 87. Mm-hmm. 85 was, my, was, was their live eight appearance. My bad. Sorry about that. Yeah, 87 was their Joshua Tree, um, which came out with a lot of uh, their, produced only two number one singles, 
with or without you, and I still found what I'm looking for. You probably like that one, don't you? Oh, that was good. Yeah. Do you like that one? Yeah. Snowball legs. Watch out. Wow. They uh so here's the, the little facts that they got. They've uh, released 14 studio albums. Um, they are one of the world's best-selling music artists. They have an estimated of 150, 170 records worldwide. They've won 22 Grammy Awards more than any other band. Do you hear that? More I heard than that. Any other band. The top 10. They are good. Uh, they were inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on their first year of eligibility um, in uh, in uh, 2005. Uh, let's see. Rolling Stone rank U2 number 22 on its list of 100 greatest artists of all time. Uh, Joshua Tree is one of the top selling albums in the world. 25 million copies were sold. I mean, they're, they're, it's just you two. They're great, right? I mean, they're just, they're fantastic. Um, I think everyone, uh, whether you, in, whether you're you're new to music, even like you come in late and watch Friends, you're, you're hit the with or, uh, you know, with, with without you from the Friends. That was like a big push there. Uh, I think everyone's got some U2 favorite songs. Uh, Deb, what's your favorite U2 song? Mine is Where the Streets Have No Name. Oh, see, it's a tricky. Yeah, the guitar in that is just perfect. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So, Give us now, a, who here? Huh? Do 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 do. Can't do it. Okay, <laughs> who has? I cannot sing. Who has seen them in concert? That's a question here. I've, I've seen, seen them twice. Kevin, Rob. So, which which tours did you all see? Rob and I went to see the Joshua Tree. Oh, I bet that was good. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, I saw good. that one, and then they did the, I think it was the 30th anniversary of Joshua Tree. They they um, did like a historical thing of some of their top songs before that, and they played the Joshua Tree song by song in its entirety, and they did some songs they did after that. So it was a great show. That first one, though, was one of the, top two concerts i've ever been to it was phenomenal yeah i felt we saw their zoo tv tour at arrowhead stadium in kansas city and what would that have been 92 or 93 and yeah. it was phenomenal as well they just they put on a really good show yeah i i, I think they they had set a record i believe if there's fact checkers they can correct me but i think they spent more money on the stage design to that point than any band had before them Oh, wow. I mean, it was very elaborate stage setup. Am I right, Debbie? Yep, it was amazing. Yep. Absolutely amazing. Lots of moving parts. Yeah. Well, I mean, as as years have gone on, like the, the decades, you know, like uh, decades since the eighties. I mean, they've uh, been on top of Forbes' highest annual earning mu uh, music artists five different times. I mean, they're they've grossed you know a billion dollars a decade. I mean, they're just they're wow. I mean, they're they're generous. Yeah, yeah, generous. So, Kevin, what would you say your favorite U two song is? Probably, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. That's a good one too. Would be yeah. mine. I'm surprised. I thought you'd have some more uh, obscure. Or obscure. Uh, obscure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This that's just the one that I've always liked. I I like the video. I like that it's it's filmed in Vegas and in old like the old downtown Vegas before it was like 
covered with the canopy and, and people were driving down it and he's just like he rolls over like someone's hood of their car and I'm sure at the time that person like what's this guy doing rolling my car <laughs> I, I don't know I just doing. between the video and the song I just think it's awesome yeah very cool Mike what about you favorite favorite, song? favorite YouTube song uh, with or without you a lot of passion yeah passionate songs i'm a passionate kind of guy okay oh that's enough <laughs> my favorite u2 song it's gonna be one of two um it's either two hearts beat as one or um bull of the blue sky bull of the blue sky has got some of the best guitar work the edge has ever done it's uh very 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 well very very well done so very yeah, good. u2 was uh they've been one of my very favorite bands before Joshua Tree, um, my friend David had turned me on to him initially because we'd kind of seen him on MTV. He started buying their albums and it was super impressive. So it's pretty good. Let's go on to number seven. Number seven. Number seven is a British rock band, Queen. Queen uh, was formed in 1970 in London, England, uh, featuring Freddie Mercury on lead vocals, Brian May on guitar, Roger Taylor on drums, and they later added John Deacon on bass. Queen began their uh, 1980 career with uh, the album The Game, featured singles Crazy Little Thing Called Love and one of my favorites, Another One Bites the Dust. Um, both reached number one in the U.S. That's their only number one songs. You know, just I'll mention a couple other bands that had two number one songs. Lisa, Lisa, and Cold Jam. Okay. They had two number ones. <laughs> and let's not forget Christopher Cross. <laughs> so just throwing a little comparison out there to some of the other bands that were able to reach Mike number wins one. the night. All right. They have sold over 300 million records worldwide. They had 24 songs on the Billboard Hot 100, and they had four in the top 10, including would be Bohemian Rhapsody, We Are the Champions, and their two number one songs. Nice. So um, anybody here see them live at all? Mm -mm. Nope. I haven't either. They put on a phenomenal show. The whole Live Aid thing in 1985 was uh, the most memorable performance of the of the whole concert. Um, U2's was was second to that as far as like years later looking back on them. I got a, a bit of a an issue, no problem. I'm surprised that Queen is in the top 10. Um, I see them more as a 70s band. Uh, their only like their biggest album here was the game mm -hmm. which was released in 1980 so after that they just had some throwaway singles that didn't really do a lot here 
I think that Live Aid performance kind of kept them to the, you know, in the public eye, so to speak. Uh, my favorite Queen song, I think, is Dragon Attack from the game. Or, uh, yeah, that's it. That's my favorite. <laughs> Matt, you got a favorite song? Well, I mean, another one bites dust has probably got more mileage, mm -hmm. you know, than, than most songs mm -hmm. that come around. We are the champions, but that was yeah. in the 70s, so that would be uh, probably one that got a little more mileage. So, not the Flash Gordon theme for anybody? <laughs> That's probably it, one of my wife would like. That's <laughs> about it. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was crazy. Radio Gaga. Uh, that was that was a big hit in England. I think got to like number sixty here or something crazy like that. It's just they just really weren't um, they weren't they weren't an eighties band really in my opinion. It was you know tail the live the, version of the, yeah the live version of Radio Gaga is probably my favorite song by them. So yeah. what was it? The live version of Radio Gaga. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Better than the studio version for sure. Yeah, definitely. A lot more energy in the live version. Yeah. What's you, Kevin? Radio Gaga. And which I know critics don't like that song, but I, I always like that song. Uh, I, I think it's, especially when they played it at uh, Live Aid, it was just like, wow, that was just, that was such a cool moment that I think when I hear that song, I think of that. So mm -hmm. yeah. I almost uh, want to clap over my head for part of the song. Right. <laughs> <laughs> For those listeners that were wondering, what was Lisa Lisa and Paul okay. Dam's number one songs? Uh, it was uh, Head to Toe. All Cried Out. And Lost in Emotion. All Cried Out did not make number one. Yeah. Well, I definitely I, deserve it. I, uh, I can say that that uh, I didn't care to ever know that. Today started with the crazy kids. <laughs> I'm See? Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah, you guys are rethinking <laughs> Yes, that's what we're doing. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why we invite him, but it's if Matt is a pure energy, you are the pure talent. I really what I was looking for. I can't suction. suction. You're the yeah. pure suction. You're sucking a Now we're on to number six. Number six. Our number one six band is Duran Duran. And I'm going to challenge Matt on this one. This is the best montage of all, Matt. Oh, come so, on. Just, just oh, saying good. best montage of all. That was so. a good montage. That was a good one. Well, Very I good montage. Good montage for Pete's sake. <laughs> oh, fan. Yeah, as, as you know, I am a Duran Duran fan, especially of John Taylor. Here we um, go. This is good. Here we go again. I know. Uh, they were formed in Birmingham, England in 1978 by singer-bass player Stephen Duffy, who was not with the band for that long, um, keyboardist Nick Rhodes, and guitarist-bass player John Taylor. 
Um, drummer Roger Taylor joined in 1979, and in May of 1980, they added guitarist Andy Taylor and lead vocalist Simon Lebon. Um, and and really, that all of those players, except for Stephen Duffy, have really been the core of Duran Duran over the years. Um, they were considered to be part of the new romantic scene and were video innovators, as I would refer to them. Um, I would say that MTV was probably their ticket to fame because they knew how to present themselves well on screen. And they had pretty faces that all the uh, little teeny bopper girls like myself liked. So, oh, excuse yeah. me. I just, <laughs> I'm gagging. Oh, quit it. Quit it. Just keep going. <laughs> Their first major hit was 1981's Girls on Film. Some of you may remember that one because that video is a little bit risque. <laughs> so there was the um, video that did not make it to MTV version um, with a lot of mud wrestling, if you will recall. Really? Huh? Maybe just a little bit. And we all start giggling and looking up. <laughs> they, they did play it on MTV, but it was a much edited version. It was very edited down, yes. Um, they recorded 15 studio albums over their career, four live albums, four compilation albums, and two box sets. But my favorite were their seven extended play albums. Absolutely loved these because they were the dance mixes of their songs and where their songs presented in different format, which I thought was the coolest thing ever. Um, over their career, they have had six albums in the U.S. that made it to the top 10. Four of those six albums were in the 1980s. Um, they had 11 songs that make, made it to the top 10 in the Billboard Hot 100 and two songs that made it to number one on that list. And that was The Reflex and View to a Kill. Both were 1980s songs. Um, 21 songs were in the Hot 100 and nine of them were from the 80s. You guys misbehaving again. Uh, nope. Mike is just <laughs> kind of trying to prove a point that Lisa Lisa him <laughs> and his mind is better than Duran Duran. We so. need to mute him, mute him yes, for a while, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> but then we mute Matt, so that's, that's not going to work well. That sounds like a win-win to me. So it kind of reminds me of when we were talking about high fidelity earlier, John Cusack, you know, he's, he breaks down that third wall and he's talking to the crowd, you know, the, the viewer a lot of the time. He starts talking about uh, the two employees of the record store, these two idiots. Kind of reminds me of Mike and Matt. I can't fire them. I hired these guys for three days a week and they just started showing up every day. That was four years ago. <laughs> They're the M&Ms. We are the, the more brothers. The M&Ms. Yes. The M&Ms. There we go. Great. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, Carry back on. to Duran Duran. Yes. Um, they took a break, much to my dismay, in the mid-1980s and split into two separate groups, Arcadia and the Power Station, which you probably remember. So... I kind of looked at those numbers as well. Arcadia was Simon, Nick, and Roger. And Power Station was Andy, John, Tony Thompson, and Robert Palmer. And I looked at their hits, and Power Station outperformed Arcadia. So there you go. The heavier sound uh, was a bigger hit. Um, but Duran Duran overall has continued to record throughout the years. Uh, Simon and Nick have really never taken a break from the band. Uh, their longevity is followed by John and Roger, and Andy Taylor was in and out of the group, but has not been with them since the early 2000s for any length of time. Uh, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just this past November of 2022, and all original members were there except for Andy Taylor, and during their acceptance um, speech, they read a letter from Andy Taylor where he announced that he was battling stage four metastatic prostate cancer and so was not able to join them, but wished that he were there. 
Hmm. Um, they at the I actually watched um, the performances by the bands that I've talked about at the, the Hall of Fame um, on YouTube last night. And I was surprised at how good Duran Duran's performance was. Voices were still good. Music was still spot on. And they were actually sounded like they were really performing live. Um, they performed Girls on Film, Hungry Like the Wolf, and Ordinary World, which is not of the 80s. Um, but I was very impressed. So what are your favorite songs by Duran Duran? Well, if I use Deb logic, I'm going to go with Take It Easy from the American Anthem soundtrack. So if we're a... Uh... That is a good song by Andy Taylor. Great song. Yeah. Yes. When I think of Duran Duran, I mean, my mind goes to uh, running layups on our seventh grade basketball team. I don't know why. I think I don't know if it's playing in the background, but it was "Hungry Like a Wolf." And so every time I hear "Hungry Like the Wolf," I I, I think of our layup drills. I don't know why, but <laughs> good time. It was a good time. But it was yeah. There's no connection there, but that's where my mind goes. Okay. <laughs> Kevin, what was yours? Um, depending on the day of the week, it's either New Moon on Monday or Hold Back to Rain. So I kind of go back and forth between those two as my favorite Duran Duran song. <laughs> and Rob? Well, I, I I hate to steal Kevin's, but yeah, New Moon on Monday would be mine. I like uh, Union of the Snake a lot. Yeah. Um, and I hate using the cop out because it's probably their most well-known song, but Hungry Like the Wolf, like Matt said, a great, great song. But I, I think above all of those, I think it's probably Rio. Oh, yeah. Mm. Probably it's my a great name. video, too. She does yeah. dance on the sand. Yeah, she does. Um, <laughs> I I was a big Duran Duran fan in the 80s, right around the, the Rio and then the Seven and the Ragged Tiger era. I had one well, of their first three albums at that point. I listened to them quite a bit, which wasn't like the super cool thing to do like at my high school because kids weren't listening to the uh, to the more they kind of considered alternative before they hit it big. You know, people at my high school were listening to more of the rock bands and stuff, which I liked a lot. But you know, I listened to everything. So yeah, Duran Duran was uh, definitely one of my favorites back then. Deb, did, yeah. did you say your favorite song? Did I miss it? I didn't yet. Mine were uh, Save a Prayer mm -hmm. and Hold Back the Rain. Hold Back the Rain is one to this day when it comes on my playlist. If it's a good day out and it's not humid and yucky, windows of the car will go down, sunroof will go open, and volume will be you know, turned up about as loud as it gets. So when nice. I stop at the mail center at the front of our neighborhood and get out, I can still hear the music at my mailbox, which means it's pretty loud. So, so Debbie's rock. Yeah. Debbie rocks. I'm rocking. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody ever Just seen live? No. I uh, had an opportunity to when I had to host us that night, so I couldn't get off of work. Oh man. I I, I would have liked to have seen them. I saw them at uh the amphitheater over here at Polaris. Oh nice. How was yeah. it? It was good. I mean, I didn't see them in their heyday, obviously. I saw the old version of Duran Duran at that point, but but I liked it. So it was it was a good concert. Where, where were you hosting at, Deb? I think all of our listeners want to know. Hey, I was hosting at Tippin's Pie and Pantry. Well, okay. <laughs> and right. yeah, we had these great calico wraparound long skirts that the hostesses wore. The waitresses wore one just below the knees. And it was before sexual harassment was a thing. And the managers mm -hmm. 
like to come up and untie the skirts since they were wrapped around, see if they would fall off. Hmm. I was smart enough. I knew how to double knot my bow. So they were always a little disappointed because my skirt never went down. But oh, yeah. Nice try, perv. You might have went a little far in the information there, but. Uh... <laughs> hey, she just detailing what the ladies used to go through. That's right. That's, that's a shame. Yeah, oh, you guys, shame. this has not been recording. Mm. Kidding. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, wow. I was say it says recording in the corner of my screen. Oh, wow. <laughs> that would have been great. Oh, sucker born every minute. Here we go. <laughs> All, right. All right, guys, we've been going at this for a long time, and we're going to have to break this up into two parts. So we left off here, and we'll, we'll come back next week. Uh, with numbers five through one. So our outro song this week, band that didn't even come close on our list, but here's You Got Another Thing Coming by Judas Priest. Come on. Guys, thanks. Take care. God bless. We'll see you next week. fire them. I hired these guys for three days a week and they just started showing up every day. That was four years ago.